Broncos cheerleaders, and you're listening to Sports Crunch with DCROM. Whenever you catch the kittens are, this is Sports Crunch with DCROM. I'm your host, David Cromolo. Well, week seven was the NFL's annual Bymageddon week, and the quality of teams on by Vikings, Bills, Cowboys, all those good teams that had the week off last week, that unfortunately contributed to the least entertaining week of games of the 2021 season thus far. Most of the games were either decided by more than one score, received a Pug fugly or ugly ugly rating on the most cislack scale of ugliness or both. But week eight, at least on paper, brings far better games to the table. And we should have another week of the super hyper competitive football that has characterized most of the season. Should we, Hal Bent? We definitely should, David. Looking forward to a lot of good matchups this week. And like you said, yeah, the bye week. I'm not even going to mention my fantasy football team and the horrors uh, of Bimageddon this week. So uh, first place, it was nice to know you. (laughs) Well, uh, hopefully you'll sniff first place again sooner rather than later in your fantasy league, Hal. But before we preview these uh, exciting week eight games, what were your main takeaways from week seven? Um, How about the Cincinnati Bengals? Cincinnati, Ohio. It's Cincinnati, Ohio. Cincinnati. You've got that correct. What a performance. Oh, oh, I just, you know, looking at that six and two going to Cleveland next week. I can't. Oh, I can't wait. I can't wait. Um, Let's see. What are my other takeaways? I have a math quiz. I didn't do good at math, David, but you got to check this math for me. Raiders minus Gruden equals playoffs. Is that correct? It could be. Uh, That's some strange math there. Um, And just written in the margins, I just have to say, Kyle Pitts. Wow. Just wow. I I mean, two rookies seeing what Pitts is doing and Chase over in Cincinnati to see two rookies come out and just, just destroy the league the way these two did last week and they've been playing is just fantastic to see and they just talk about hitting the ground running and not even slowing down it's a beautiful thing it sure is and we will get to kyle pitts jamar chase and the grudenless raiders in just a little bit but i'm going to go on the other side yours was mostly teams that had positive developments i'm going to go with two teams that had negative developments And they happen to be my favorite teams in all sports, period. The Chicago Bears of the Denver Broncos. Massive house cleanings await both those teams come January. The Bears, you're going to have to fire both Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace. Yeah, drafting Justin Fields, that was just a reprieve. It doesn't cancel out all the horrendous mistakes this general manager and this head coach have made over the years. It's going to be an ugly, ugly, ugly rest of the season in Chicago and uh, get into Jets mode now, Bears fans, because the future really happens next year when we get Brian Dable, Greg Roman, or a far better coach to capitalize on the promise of Justin Fields. And for the Denver Broncos, I feel like this is a redux of the 2014 Bears season, like I said, where the Bears absolutely quit on Mark Tressman. The Broncos, it gets clear almost every single week that the vast majority of players 
just have given up on Vic Fangio. They've just given up. They don't respond to his messages anymore. And Vic Fangio, he's kind of like a throwback, militaristic style of head coach that just doesn't do well in today's game. Broncos, uh, you're going to get a new head coach next year, as well as a new scouting staff, new assistants for GM George Payton, and a new owner. So massive house cleanings await and changes coming to the Bears and Broncos, and we can only hope that they're for the better. And now let's go on to our favorite game. It's truth or exaggeration, and you know how this game works. I make a statement, and Hal, your job is to tell me whether I'm telling the truth or whether I'm exaggerating and why. And we start with the elephant in the room as we approach the November 2nd trading deadline in the NFL, Deshaun Watson, no team, and I mean no team, should trade for Deshaun Watson until his legal issues are resolved. Truth or exaggeration? That is 100% truth. A team will have to be pretty, pretty desperate in order to make a deal with everything that's hanging over Watson's head. Um, is somebody that desperate? Uh, Miami, hello? Are, are you there yet? Close? All right, maybe, but no, they shouldn't. It, it's crazy to, to, to trade the resources it'll take to get Watson. It's not like you're giving up one first-round pick and you think you're going to get him. Um, Houston is, gonna, is going to demand multiple first-round picks or at least uh, you know more than one plus a package plus an impact player. And that's the rate for a quarterback of Deshaun Watson's skills if he didn't have this off-field stuff going on. So yeah, definitely, definitely nobody should be trading for him. Um, I'm hoping nobody does. And you know, let's get this sorted out in the league, do what it should do, um, and determine what the next steps are. But uh, Miami, I'm looking at you. Yes, and speaking of the Dolphins, the other team mentioned in the running for Deshaun Watson was the Carolina Panthers, but they're reportedly not in at the moment. But putting the legal issues aside, the Carolina Panthers would be a far better destination for Deshaun Watson than the Dolphins would. Truth or exaggeration? Boy, you know, three weeks ago, that was a slam dunk truth, David. I don't know. I might backtrack that a little. Uh, you know, oh, Miami, you got the Jalen Waddle there. Yeah, God, that is, uh, yeah. you know what? Christian McCaffrey, DJ. Yeah, yeah. Okay. We can say truth. We can say a truth on that one. But boy, that's, that's right on the line. You know what the best team is for him? Your Denver Broncos. I Put him sure with all that. those weapons and, oh. Jerry Judy, come on, David. Clear up those legal issues. Ship them up, ship them to Denver. And oh, think of that. Him, Mahomes, Carr, Herbert, all in the same division. That would just be a beautiful thing. It it sure would, but I'm not counting on that particular scenario happening, especially at this time. And moving on to a guy who you just mentioned in your week seven takeaway, Kyle Pitts. Albeit with a 17-game caveat. Kyle Pitts will break the all-time rookie receiving yardage record for tight ends, which was set in 1961 by Mike Ditka with 1,076 receiving yards. Truth or exaggeration? Oh, definitely a truth. I, I think we're seeing uh, the emergence of Pitts as, you know, easily that number one weapon in Atlanta. And uh, 
Yeah, Atlanta. Don't sleep on Atlanta, people. Don't sleep on Atlanta. They can uh, put some points up there. But but yeah, I, I I think you saw early in the season with Atlanta, they were they were trying to figure out. They didn't want to put too much on Pitts. They trying to figure out exactly how Arthur Smith really wanted to use them. And you saw a lot of Cordero Patterson, which is tailed off. And you know Calvin Ridley's been the big dog there. Um, but yeah, I think we're seeing that trend going in the direction of Kyle Pitts, number one pass catcher, regardless of position there. Uh, he's the number one receiver. Yes, and do you think he's going to break Mike Ditka's record? Definitely. As the number one, yeah, he's he's just going to get more. <laughs> and if he keeps averaging 15 yards of reception, he's going to blow that away. Yeah, I think he's going to break that record as well. And moving on to Jamar Chase. Not only is Jamar Chase the front runner for 2021 Offensive Rookie of the Year, Jamar Chase is already making an excellent argument to be considered a top five wide receiver in the NFL, period. Truth or exaggeration? You know, it should be an exaggeration when you're talking about a a 21-year-old rookie wide receiver, but... um... Uh, no, I mean, come on, over 20 yards per reception, he finds the end zone. I mean, it, it, he's not dropping passes like he was in the preseason. Everybody was all worried about that. And no, I mean, he's, am I going to put one? No, I, I can put him in truth, truth, truth. Absolutely. He has the most receiving yards through his first seven games than anybody in NFL history and a rookie season on par with Hall of Famer Randy Moss. That's how special Jamar Chase truly is, and he's going to be this way for a long, long, long time in the NFL. Uh, That partnership between Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase, absolutely meant to be. They picked up right where they left off at LSU, and they're going to light up the NFL for a decade. I guarantee you that. And we go on to the Las Vegas Raiders. Could John Gruden have been the thing holding them back all along? He just might have. Should the Raiders make the playoffs, they should highly consider promoting interim head coach Rich Basaccia to full-time head coach. Truth or exaggeration? Oh, definitely a truth. If they're a playoff team, how do you pivot away from him at this time? You know, Um, definitely a truth. Definitely a truth. yeah, and it, like like I said, you know, earlier that math is checking out. I think Raiders minus Rude Gruden equals playoffs. Keep Rich in as head coach. Truth, truth, truth. I like it. Yeah, and there's something about Rich Bisaccia and his special teams background that makes him super qualified to be a head coach because we've seen historically that special teams coaches go on to become fantastic head coaches because their job is to get the utmost effort out of the mid to lower tier of the roster. And Bisaccia has been doing that for three plus decades. And uh, so far, uh, it's come in handy for the Raiders that if he leads them to a playoff appearance, why not keep him as head coach? Exactly. And, you know, he's, taken on some of those roles as well he's been the assistant head coach uh san diego dallas and and that was part of his title as well here in vegas as well so definitely he's i mean the man's put in the time the special teams coaches work with both sides of the ball the offense and the defense the players know and clearly respect him Uh, obvious in the way that both sides have 
come out and played for him uh, since he's taken over. So, yeah, I mean, if he makes the playoffs, I don't know how you pivot away from him at this point. Me neither. And on to the lone winless team in the NFL, the Detroit Lions. Even though they are still yet to win a game this season, they are absolutely headed in the right direction under Dan Campbell. Truth or exaggeration? There's nowhere else to go but up. No, no, definitely. Dan Campbell, uh, you know, what was that? What was the comment he made in the offseason? He wants guys to bite ankles. Is that bite kneecaps? <laughs> bite and kneecaps. That's what it was. You know? I mean, I I love Dan Campbell. I thought, you know, uh, five, six years ago when he got that interim opportunity with Miami, I thought he was a breath of fresh air as a head coach in the NFL. And I'm amazed it took so long for him to get another opportunity here. He is good for football. He's definitely, you know, like we talked about with Robert Sala a couple of weeks ago, where the team takes on that personality of the head coach. It, it's he's one of those people you just can't help but run through a wall for that man. He's just so much fun to see, and and definitely the Lions, they they had to clean house. They've got the correct situation there. Dan Campbell, perfect fit. Um, you know, you've got solid coordinators working with him. Anthony Lynn's in charge of the offense. Um, he's got Don Capers over there as an assistant as well on the defensive side. Who's Aaron Glenn, defensive Aaron Glenn, Aaron Glenn, definitely, exactly. So, yeah, I, that that team's definitely pointed in the right direction and uh who knows they could be a bold prediction this week as well as something happening on the field oh they most certainly could and last week the lions absolutely gave the rams all and i mean all the rams could handle they were playing to win the game and that is exactly what you want in head coach you want a guy who is a leader who plays to win dan campbell is that guy and heck the lions almost beat the ravens and almost beat the vikings as well it is clear that this team is headed in the right direction. They're just lack of talent, bad luck have not produced wins so far, but they'll come. They'll come. Definitely. And you know what? That can be a good thing as well. When you start thinking about draft positioning, you know, what's worse than a team that picks up a couple of cheap wins that they, you know, don't want or need and, you know, lose that draft capital, you know, that, that can make the difference sometimes. So yeah, Lions on track. You're doing it right on track. Yes, and if they end up with the first pick, Kayvon Thibodeau is a no-brainer for that team. He would be yep. a perfect fit in that Dan Campbell culture. Definitely, definitely a fit there. And last but not least, we go to Cleveland, where Dearness Johnson is going to permanently force his way into the Browns' running back rotation over these next several weeks, making it a three-headed monster once Kareem Hunt gets healthy. Truth or exaggeration? Uh, I, I'd like to say it's a truth. But, you know, they can't, this is not enough snaps for Nick Chubb or Kareem Hunt when they're both healthy. Uh, the poor, poor Dearness Johnson, no, he, he's got to be looking at money he's going to be making down the road is what he's thinking about right now. Um, I, I don't think he's going to get enough meaningful carries um, once Hunt and Chubb are healthy there. Unfortunately, so I've got to go with an exaggeration on this one. And let's preview some of the exciting games we have here in week eight, beginning tonight. 
where Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers travel to the desert to take on Kyler Murray and the lone unbeaten team in the NFL, the Arizona Cardinals. However, some of the excitement was sapped out of this game as we found out just a couple days ago that Devontae Adams, the best wide receiver in football, and Alan Lazard both were put on the reserve COVID-19 list and will not play tonight. And not only that, you got Marquez Valdez-Scantling on IR as well, dealing with an injury. How do the Packers attack the Cardinals through the air, minus those three options in the passing game? Yeah, that's the huge losses right there. And, you know, I think this goes in as, a, as an Aaron Jones through the air kind of game. Aaron Jones has the ability uh, as a receiver, not just as a running back, to make a huge impact on the game game and if i'm green bay i'm dialing up a lot of pass plays geared towards aaron jones get the ball in the hands of your best player no matter how that has to be the plan uh the the number one plan uh in this game tonight i agree aaron jones has to be the focal point of the offense tonight but you also got Randall Cobb and Robert Tunyon. They're no slouches either. Randall Cobb has come up with a lot of key catches this season for the Packers in his return to Green Bay. And Robert Tunyon, last week on National Tight Ends Day, he caught arguably the game-deciding touchdown against the Washington football team. Those have to be the two other weapons Aaron Rodgers has to target a lot tonight. Yeah, definitely, because that shortage of weapons is just a lot to overcome. And um, you know, there's not many quarterbacks that make do without the weapons, but hey, Aaron Rodgers is special for a reason. So it'll be really fun to see if he's able to turn it loose with a limited receiving staff. And let's talk about the quarterback on the other sideline as in the 2021 NFL MVP frontrunner at the moment, Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray had another great performance last week, but I was very, very alarmed seeing him hit time after time after time by the Houston Texans for crying out loud last week. After seeing him take quite a pounding last week, how should the Cardinals protect Kyler Murray better in this game other than better offensive line play, especially on a short week? The addition of Zach Ertz should be able to help with that with another uh, savvy veteran, quick outlet passes, but it's going to come down to number two and number six, and that's the backfield, Chase Edmonds and the Terminator himself, James Conner. They've got to establish that running game to take the pass rush pressure off of Kyler Murray, especially if they can get ahead early uh, and get a lead and start pounding the football with those two quality backs and set up that play action, take that pressure off of Murray, and then let him do his thing after that. And that brings us to some of our key matchups in tonight's game. And this is a matchup I will have my eyes on right from the start. Rodney Hudson, the Pro Bowl center for the Cardinals. He's on IR dealing with an injury. Max Garcia, a guy who I know well from his days in Denver, will start again at center. And he has a very tough task going up against our man, who we've praised time and time again on this oh. program, Big Kenny Clark, number 97. And Kenny Clark, uh, he's going to have a big advantage, especially in the passing game, because Max Garcia is a liability at pass protection. If uh, Kenny Clark gets one-on-one -on -one opportunities against Max Garcia, he'll absolutely feast. And if he's in Kyler Murray's face all game long, good luck. 
exactly yeah i mean we've we've been years david we've been talking about kenny clark here it's a favorite of the the podcast for sure um you know and also where, where i would look as well is you know those wide receivers the passing game that kyler murray has orchestrated I, you know deandre hopkins is a matchup nightmare every week aj green has got some of that uh, looking a little healthier, a little spring in his step. You've still got Christian Kirk. You've got the impressive rookie Rondale Moore as well. Um, I mean, just so many weapons there in Arizona. And for Green Bay, you know, you hate to look out there and say, well, what are we throwing up there? We got a rookie. Uh, we got Kevin King. We, you know, so a lot of pressure on that secondary um, you know, Adrian Amos at free safety is going to have to step in and make some plays if Green Bay is going to try to slow down that passing attack for uh, the Cardinals. And another wrinkle in tonight's game, uh, Joe Barry, the Packers defensive coordinator, he also tested positive for COVID-19 and will thus not make the trip out to Phoenix. So uh, Jerry Gray, an experienced secondary coach, will be calling the plays on defense. Uh, how should that help the Packers secondary, having a secondary expert calling the plays? Well, I mean, hopefully that will help. But, you know, then again, you've got the situation of if he's coordinating that entire defense and isn't giving specific, isn't having enough time for specific attention for that secondary unit, especially on the sidelines as well, uh, that could be a problem as well. So it's a double-edged sword right there. Could be, you know, a little extra insight in there while calling the plays, but a little uh, lack of adjustments or hearing what his guys are seeing out there if they don't have a voice in his ear on the sidelines. That's a very good point, Hal, but I want to uh, shine a little bright light on this Packers secondary. Yes, they're, they miss Jair Alexander big time. Jair Alexander, he's one of the five best corners in the league, if not one of the three best corners in the league. He's the real deal. They miss him big time. But Eric Stokes, their rookie out of Georgia, he's played very, very well this season, I think. Uh, every time I turn on a Packers game or every time it comes on the Red Zone channel, uh, he's breaking up a pass. Uh, he's made a lot of plays this season, but this is his time to shine. He is going to be facing um, a elite passing attack, whoever he's guarding, whether it's DeAndre Hopkins, one play, or Rondale Moore, another, A.J. Green, another play, or maybe even Zach Ertz as a tight end eraser. Eric Stokes, this is your opportunity to show the country exactly how good you've been playing. Yeah, great point, David. I mean, uh, they took him high for a reason, and he is highly regarded cornerback who is having to grow up in a hurry right now. So um, national stage, you know, this is the national game. Some of these players, it's a great chance to uh, to make a statement there. And this could be the Eric Stokes game here uh, for Green Bay. That would be an exciting, exciting addition to the game tonight. Yes. And who do you think wins tonight? Uh, I'm, I'm still rolling with Arizona. I, I think they're going to have just enough to be able to get that uh, over the hump. I think Green Bay, if they generate pressure, it's going to keep this game a little bit closer than people may expect. But I see Arizona pulling away in the fourth quarter and a late charge by Aaron Rodgers just comes up a little short and Arizona 31, Green Bay 27. 
We do not have to sound the simpatico alert oh. here. There's just something about this season in Green Bay that seems special. It's clearly the last dance for Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. And as the saying goes, a wounded animal is the most dangerous animal. And the Packers come into this game as wounded as they can possibly be. Well, that said, the Cardinals, uh, they're not going to have Ronnie Hudson at center, which could prove huge. And J.J. Watt's not going to play tomorrow night due to a shoulder injury either. So uh, the Cardinals aren't uh, perfect in terms of their injury situation either. But injuries aside, Aaron Rodgers is the kind of quarterback that's the rising tide that lifts all boats. And he is going to have one of the most epic performances of his career, especially in the last dance season. It was just meant to be Aaron Rodgers leads the Packers to a 30 to 27 win over the Cardinals. How does he do it? Stay tuned for bold predictions. And on Sunday night, Halloween night, Dak Prescott and the Dallas Cowboys travel to Minnesota to take on Kirk Cousins and the Minnesota Vikings. And when you look at this Vikings team and compare it to other teams in recent years of the Mike Zimmer, Rick Spielman era in Minnesota, um, their offense, it looks better than ever right now. But on defense, it seems they have taken a little step back, if not quite a significant step back especially when you talk about the secondary because those Viking secondaries in like the late uh, 2010s with the uh, Xavier Rhodes and Harrison Smith, they're long gone. Yeah. Harrison Smith is still there, but he's definitely not the player he once was. No. And Patrick Peterson to make matters worse. Yeah. He may be 31, but he's still the best corner on their roster. He's on IR right now. And uh, so that means uh, you're down to some very unattractive options uh, in the secondary. Uh, Mackenzie Alexander, I'm not saying he's bad, but he's not an Xavier Rhodes in his prime. Uh, Cam Dantzler is still struggling. Oh, my goodness. Do you think that this Viking secondary is significantly less fearsome than it has been in recent years and thus extremely vulnerable if their front four, which is the heart of their defense, cannot get to Dak Prescott? Oh, definitely. I mean, just go through that unit. It's a far cry from you know, those shut down Mike Zimmer defenses of the past in Minnesota. Um, and, and really that secondary has been part of, like you had intimated, a big part of that defense's problem. They can still get at the quarterback. There's no doubt about that. When they're uh, up front, when they're, you know, the talent that they have up there, the talent at linebacker, when they want to shut down the run, they can. When they want to get after the quarterback, they can. It's just been the secondary that's been letting them down week after week. And strange things can happen, sure. Um, you know, they can take a step up, but that is a tough matchup with Dak Prescott, uh, you know, the co-MVP so far this year. And that receiving core in Dallas is just so deep and so good. and you know, you know, when Michael Gallup gets back, oh my God, you know, <laughs> look out. Yes. And, and one of the main reasons for the depth showing out is because Dak Prescott has become that quarterback. That is a rising tide that lifts all boats. He is literally making stars out of uh, Dalton Schultz and Cedric Wilson so far. It's not just uh, Amari Cooper and CeeDee Lamb in that unit. There's so much more, and Dak is elevating the play of each and every one of them. That is a hallmark of franchise quarterback play. That is why Dak has become a bona fide franchise quarterback in my eyes. Exactly. As the defense continues to improve in Dallas, I mean, we 
just week after week with Prescott, it's he just makes every throw. You blitz him, he beats the blitz. You drop eight in coverage, he picks you apart. Zone, two deep, one deep. It does. It doesn't matter. The, teams have thrown the kitchen sink at him this year, and he's passed every test with flying colors. And oh, by the way, you know Zeke Elliott and Tony Pollard in your backfield as well. I mean, oh, it it is an offense. They're healthy on the offensive line, and they are just clicking on all cylinders right now. It's hard to stop Dak. It most certainly is, but it's also going to be hard for the Cowboys defense to stop this Vikings offense because Kirk Cousins, he's playing the best ball of his career, and he's got one of the best wide receiver duos in the league in uh, Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen and one of the best backfields in the league with Dalvin Cook. However, even though the Dalvin Cook is fully healthy right now, Alexander Madison did a beautiful job replacing him uh, when he was hurt with that ankle issue uh, earlier in the season. So even with Dalvin Cook fully healthy, should the Vikings feel obligated to give 25 to 33% of the touches to Alexander Madison in this game and going forward? It's tough because Cook is so good and, you know, gets one of those backs that the more you feed him, the hungrier he gets. And how many games have we seen Dalvin Cook just take over in the fourth quarter against a tiring defense? It's hard not to keep feeding him and getting him in a rhythm. But I agree. Alexander Madison, take some wear and tear off a of Cook. Keep him fresh. Give him a couple of series. Um, you know, maybe not 25 to 33%. Give him 15 to 20% of the carries. But yeah. Let him eat, too, because he has been uh, a revelation uh, this year, really uh, has looked fantastic stepping in in that role. And um, one more name to throw at you, K.J. Osborne as well, has been very, very impressive this year as that third receiving option for uh, Minnesota and has been a huge part of that offense and, and making them so, so dangerous. Oh, absolutely. One of the biggest concerns about the Vikings heading into this season was their wide receiver depth behind uh, Jefferson and Thielen. And uh, once uh, Irv Smith Jr. was lost for the season due to his meniscus injury, I thought, uh-oh, where are the yep. Vikings going to go for their third option in the passing game outside of Dalvin Cook? K.J. Osborne has answered the bell and answered it big time. He could be an unsung factor in this game on Sunday. And when you look at some key matchups for this game, most everybody is going to look at Justin Jefferson going against defensive player of the year front runner Trayvon Diggs. Uh, Justin Jefferson, when asked about Trayvon Diggs, he said, quote, he's a ball hawk, and I am too. Oh, my God. That's the sign of what's to come. It should be an epic matchup between those two all night long. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, that is just going to be the highlight of the game to see that where Diggs has just been so impressive and, and everybody knows what Justin Jefferson has already done in his short career. Um, you know, true number one against the true number one. This is what it's all about. Uh, what was it? Uh, Terrell Owens better grab your popcorn, grab your popcorn, grab your, what are you giving out? M&Ms, Skittles, Starburst, grab them all sit down in front of the TV because you are going to be entertained uh, on Halloween night. And let's go to the trenches. 
when the Vikings have the ball, I'm looking at their two tackles, Brian O'Neill, who has grown into one of the best right tackles in the game, and rookie Christian Darasaw, their 2021 yeah. first-round pick, who shut Brian Burns down in their win over the Panthers a couple weeks ago, going up against Micah Parsons. Yes, he's the front-runner for defensive rookie of the year, obviously, playing off that edge. But Randy Gregory, he has come out of almost nowhere this year, and he has been an absolute playmaking stud for this Cowboys defense. Once DeMarcus Lawrence gets back, they got a three-headed monster at edge. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I mean, that's – that is a scary rush. And, you know, in their last game against the Patriots before their bye week, I mean, Randy Gregory was just unblockable. He was just living in the backfield. And, you know, it was kind of one of those double takes where you were kind of looking back and saying, wait a minute, Randy Gregory, Randy Gregory. I mean, I, I haven't heard that name in, you know, years, you know, it was like a meme or something that you had to put out there. But, but he has just been, I mean, yeah, I mean, he's, he's back, baby. He is back and uh, playing like he's, you know, making up for lost time. So, yeah, I mean, that, that quick first step is still there. It's nice to see he's got his head on straight. He's healthy. He's in the right place. And they're putting him in positions to make plays. So, yeah, Randy Gregory, they believe the hype. He looked fantastic. Any other matchups in this Sunday night showdown on Halloween that you have in mind? Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, you, you talked about, um, you know, Darasar as well and and Brian O'Neill, but I'm really interested to see if there's one other underutilized way that maybe Minnesota can get a little extra offense. Uh, and you talked about Irv, you know, the loss of Irv Smith and trading away Kyle Rudolph in the offseason. Everybody's kind of overlooking that tight end position right now. And I think that, you know, Minnesota, they've got Chris Herndon, who they're still working into that offense. They picked up from the Jets, who has all the talent in the world and just hasn't been, um, you know, is, is just didn't have that offseason there that he needed. But on the other side of the ball, at the other tight end position, who has been doing the job for them and, and doing a great job um, very quietly um, is Tyler Conklin. And, you know, if he can make an impact in this game, you know, that could be the, that could be an X factor that Minnesota, um, you know, utilizes those aggressive Dallas linebackers against them and be able to pick up some big plays coming from the tight end position with all those other weapons. That could be a huge X factor on Halloween night and uh, a trick or treat might be a treat in uh, Minnesota and a trick for Dallas. Oh, most definitely Hal. And when the Cowboys have the ball, they've got two star offensive tackles of their own in future hall of famer, Tyron Smith at left tackle and Terrence Steele, who has played admirable football at right tackle. And Mike McCarthy himself just said today, Terrence Steele, even with Lyle Collins coming back from suspension, they're going to keep Terrence Steele at that starting right tackle spot and have Lyle Collins kick inside to guard. Wow. Wow. Uh, that it just goes to show you how deep this Cowboys offensive line remains. And they are going up against Daniil Hunter, obviously one of the top 10 edge pass rushers in today's NFL 
and Everson Griffin, who's apparently found the fountain of youth in his return to Minnesota after a year away in Dallas and Detroit. Wow. <laughs> it's just amazing to see these elder pass rushers find that fountain of youth, so to speak. Uh, that um, whoever wins the respective battles against uh, an elite pair of tackles uh, that the Cowboys uh, have and the Vikings have, I use the term elite because uh, it's very hard to find an elite pair of tackles at today's NFL. And based on how good both of their tackle tandems are, I just consider them elite given the <laughs> status of offensive line playing today's NFL. So there you go. But whatever pass rush tandem has the better night could end up being the winning team. Definitely. That, that is definitely a great point right there, David. Um, yeah, this game, it's going to be a close one. It's a great, great primetime game as well. I mean, blessed with uh, a Sunday night game and, a, and the game tonight as well. Marquee matchups in primetime. This is what the NFL is all about. It most certainly is. And who do you think wins Sunday night in Minnesota on Halloween? Oh, you know, everything points to come on it's gonna be the cowboys right they're coming off a bye week all right uh yeah they gotta travel to minnesota but but oh you know no I, i'll pull the trigger it's it's an upset i've taken minnesota somehow some way they're gonna pull it out 27 24 over the cowboys it's a treat in minnesota a trick in dallas it's going to be a treat in Dallas and a trick in Minnesota. It is uh, going to be a close game. I completely agree there. But at the end of the day, this Viking secondary is such a shell of its former self. And going up against Dak Prescott, those weapons he has, I think that is going to prove to be too much at the end of the day. Plus, the Vikings almost lost to the Panthers and almost allowed Sam Darnold to have a field day for crying out loud. And it was the receivers dropping passes that made all the difference in their last win over Carolina a couple weeks ago. I just don't see them getting as fortunate as they did against Carolina against the Cowboys. I like the Cowboys 31 to 27. And now let's pick the rest of these week eight games. The Chicago Bears host the San Francisco 49ers. And it was revealed this morning that Khalil Mack is not going to play in this game. He's been dealing with a lingering foot issue all season long, and the Bears are thinking of putting him on short-term IR to help him uh, heal up and get to 100%. Uh, the 49ers uh, have been playing uninspired football in recent weeks, and uh, lots of calls for Kyle Shanahan to get fired by some 49ers fans oh. even. Oh, my God, it's getting ugly there. But that said, without Khalil Mack, Robert Quinn still on the reserve COVID-19 list, Akeem Hicks, uh, even if he plays, he's going to be at much less than 100%, and I am not sure he plays. With that decimated Bears defensive front, I like the 49ers to take advantage of that in this game with their running game. The 49ers win an ugly low-scoring game, 17-13. to 13. Yeah, ugly is going to be the word, David. I, I agree, um, but I don't think it's going to be that close. I think this is the get-well game. Um, we'll see the 49ers just roll right through the poor Bears. Um, start making up your, you know, save Justin Field signs, please. Oh, gosh. Um, easy win for the 49ers. This is their get well game. This is their turning point right now. If they can win, they'll be three and four. They get the Cardinals and the Rams coming up. If, there's a ch if you're going to make a run, 
San Francisco, this is the time you have to do it. Should be an easy win to get them in gear, in the right state of mind. I'll put them as an easy, easy 31 to 13 over the Bears. Although um, Justin Fields is not infallible for the Bears' offensive struggles, uh, do you think it's fair to say what Dan Orlovsky said, that we shouldn't uh, draw too many conclusions on Justin Fields this year because he has received absolutely no help from either his supporting cast or coaching staff or front office for that matter? I couldn't agree more. Um, you know, we've talked about it so many times. I, I'm just going to keep going back to my my phrase of, you know, stick Justin Fields in the Andy Dalton offense. And what do you expect? Come on. I mean, that's a failure from the top down right there. You're asking somebody who is, you know, so gifted to play so constrained. It just doesn't make any sense. You know, save just save Justin Fields, free Justin Fields, free him. Let the man play. Free Justin Fields, indeed. And staying in the NFC North, the Detroit Lions host the Philadelphia Eagles on Halloween. And I have a feeling the Lions finally win their first game of the season this week. And they are long overdue. They came oh so close against Baltimore. They should have beaten the Vikings. Oh, my God. Uh, they should have beaten the Ravens if it weren't for Justin Tucker's historic leg. And they came oh so close to beating the Rams last week. This is the week the Lions get off the schneid. I am confident. Write it in. Detroit Lions win over the Eagles. Can we sound that simpatico alert? Beep, 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 beep. I'm right there with you, David. I think this is going to be a long overdue win for Detroit. I know Philadelphia is thinking, uh, come on, you know, we've got to have a game that we can just check the box and say, we're going to get this W. You know, we're going to crawl our way back into the race. Nah, nah, it ain't happening. Detroit is ready. They're going to be biting kneecaps and, um, how they pull out this overtime win over Philadelphia, you got to wait for the bold prediction on that one. But I'm going to say it's Detroit 26 to 20 over Philadelphia in overtime. The Atlanta Falcons, winners of two straight and quietly lurking around for that final wildcard spot in the NFC, host the Carolina Panthers. And oh my God, 3 and 0. Now three and four. It's not just the Broncos that were a mirage for you know. It looks like the Panthers are as well. And Sam Darnold getting benched last week and still playing this week. I don't think that inspires a lot of confidence in this Panthers team that looks to be absolutely reeling right now. Uh, granted, it is a divisional game. I do expect them to play much better than they did last week against the Giants. But the Falcons are just cooking right now. Matt Ryan, Kyle Pitts. Uh, Kyle Pitts is on his way to becoming the best tight end in football period. No offense to Travis Kelsey, George Kittle, or Darren Waller. There's something super special about Kyle Pitts. And I don't think the Panthers are ready to stop Kyle Pitts. I, I just don't. Their defense has really, really, really regressed as well since their 3-0 start. And I don't see it getting better this week against the Falcons. It's going to be close. But Falcons 21, Panthers 17. Yeah, I've got to agree with you there. Um Atlanta should win this game. I've got it a little more handier. Um, I've got Atlanta 26 and Carolina 13. The Buffalo Bills off that heartbreaking loss in Music City 
hosts the Miami Dolphins coming off uh, their bye, as in the Bills coming off their bye. Uh, the Miami Dolphins, oh my God, they are a cautionary tale that uh, trading players for picks, uh, for high picks, can easily backfire on you as well. Oh my God, that rebuild has completely, completely, completely blown up in their face. And it's only going to get worse before it gets better. The Bills, fresh off their bye, they're going to be eager to get the sneak out of their mouth um, from that loss against the Titans. Bills roll all over the Dolphins, 35 to 10. Yeah, I usually try to keep these divisional games close, but but David, I don't see that happening either. I I just don't see how Miami can run with Buffalo when they're when they're clicking and and looking at Miami and saying this team won 10 games last year. I mean, they've already lost as many games as they lost all of the last and I mean, they haven't looked good in these losses. Um, when they've had opportunities, they've dropped the ball. Um, doesn't matter if it's Tua, Brissett, whoever's at quarterback. Um, you know, it's it starts up front. The offensive line has underachieved for the Dolphins. The defense, which was their biggest strength last year, has just been dreadful. Uh, yeah. I, we're putting this this is this is going to be a blowout city here i'm with you this isn't even going to be close david i've got it down as buffalo 40 and miami 16. the cincinnati Bengals, currently the number one team in the afc traveling to east rutherford to take on the jets and mike white starting at quarterback <laughs> this is my lock of the week the Bengals. i do not see joe burrow or Zach Taylor, for that matter, allowing this team to lose focus and overlook a vastly inferior opponent. I think the Bengals just lay it down on the Jets. This is a no-brainer. 34-3, to Bengals over the Jets. Lock of the week. Uh, I'm with you, David. Sound that simpatico alert. This is by far the biggest lock. And, you know, the Jets were complaining about the Patriots running up the score. Yeah, wait for this week. I've got it. Cincinnati 59, Jets 13. Ooh, nice one there, Hal. And an AFC North old-fashioned trench match as the Stillers travel to Cleveland to take on the Browns. And this is going to be a very close game. And obviously, Mike Tomlin with that comment by Carson Palmer, imagining it as a potential candidate for the USC job. Come on, Carson Palmer. <laughs> Mike Tomlin ain't leaving Pittsburgh to go to Alabama. That's how loyal he is to Pittsburgh. And I think he's going to be in Pittsburgh. And that's going to be the last job he ever has as a, as a football coach. Tomlin is that good, folks. And uh, But... The Cleveland Browns, they're getting healthier this week. They got Jack Conklin back at right tackle. They got Nick Chubb back, and Baker Mayfield is going to play this week. And I think that'll be more than enough to get that ground game going with Nick Chubb and Dearness Johnson. And the Steelers, as good as they are rushing the passer, they've struggled a lot uh, defending the run. And I think their run defense struggles come back this week in the worst possible way. It's going to be a close, pretty low-scoring game, but I'm going to take the Browns. Yeah, I mean, we, we talked before the season, the Browns have so much talent and the injuries have just decimated that team. This is a huge game for both teams. I mean, you don't want to fall behind in that competitive AFC North. You've got Cincinnati and Baltimore right there at the top. Both of these teams are 
you know, Pittsburgh has that legitimate playoff defense. Cleveland is so balanced with playmakers and stars on both sides of the ball. You know, the only thing that worries me is the health of Baker Mayfield. And, you know, when you've got a pass rush like Pittsburgh has and Baker Mayfield's basically got a big target on his left shoulder, you know, you wonder, you know, is he going to make it through the game? Is he going to be tentative back there? You know, I, I just going to lean a little bit to the defense here. I'm going to give it to the Steelers, um, even though I think Cleveland is the overall the better team. I think the pass rush and and Baker Mayfield not healthy is just going to be not enough for uh, Cleveland to overcome. I'll give Pittsburgh 17 to 16 over the Browns. Yeah, it's going to be a very close game. And the Tennessee Titans, winners of two consecutive statement wins against the Chiefs, who we'll get to in a little bit. Last week, oh my God, they just shut the Chiefs down. We talked about the Titans' defense being bad. Their front absolutely annihilated Patrick Mahomes all game long. So, so impressive. They travel to Indy to take on the Colts, who feel rejuvenated uh, after a hard-fought win over the 49ers in the rain last Sunday night. That said, I just think the Titans are still the better team here. Yeah, the Colts are talented, but the Titans, you got Derrick Henry, uh, who can wear defenses down like no other running back can, and uh, A.J. Brown and Julio Jones are an elite combo when healthy, and they're pretty healthy right now. And uh, I just think uh, the Titans uh, are more balanced. I trust Ryan Tannehill more than I do Carson Wentz to take care of the football. This is going to come down to who can avoid the big mistake. I trust the Titans to avoid the big mistake far more. I going with the Titans to essentially put a lock on this division this week. Yeah. I mean, if Indianapolis wants to win this division, this is going to be the week that they have to get it done. And, you know, if I'm Indianapolis, I'm putting the ball not in the hands of Carson Wentz, because I'm sorry, I still don't trust Carson Wentz. You throw me his touchdown to interception ratio all day, um, his quarterback rating. I don't care. I don't trust Carson Wentz. If you give him a heavy dose of Jonathan Taylor and Naheem Hines out of the backfield, maybe, maybe you can do enough, Indianapolis. I really wanted to make this an upset special, but I just don't see it with Tennessee. Uh, they know what's at stake. It's a divisional game. They're going to come out firing, and I don't think it'll be close. I've got Tennessee 30, Indianapolis 16. I agree, Hal, and the Los Angeles Rams, fresh off a hard-fought win over the Detroit Lions, traveling to Houston to take on the Texans. And, yes, the Texans uh, – might be one and six and the lions oh and seven uh and currently both those teams have the first two picks in the 2022 nfl draft but the lions are so vastly superior to the texans the texans they just traded away mark ingram to the new orleans saints and Brandon cooks wasn't having any of it he called the trade bs on twitter uh it's getting even uglier in houston uh Brandon cooks he sounds like a guy he wants out um in, in just a couple days before the trade deadline it's the texans they're playing like the team we thought they would be this year. And the Rams are just going to run all over them. Uh, the, the Lions were a much tougher opponent. Texans are going to be so, so easy to beat for them. Shouldn't even be a close one. Rams 30, 
four, Texans seven. Yeah, sound the simpatico alert on there. I had it 35 to seven, so I don't think it's going to be close. And Houston, uh, don't even try those trick plays. The Rams are not going to be happy after everything Detroit did last week to keep it as close as they did, pulling out all the stops. Um, so they're going to be ready, and uh, it's just going to be ugly. Let's leave it at yeah. that. Plus, David Culley, he's not the brave head coach that Dan Campbell is. Uh, he's nowhere near as bold. He doesn't call those plays. David Culley hates analytics. He'd never do that. <laughs> Yeah, your New England Patriots, Hal, they have a very interesting game against the Chargers and Justin Herbert at SoFi Stadium. And keep in mind, last season, the Patriots absolutely annihilated Justin Herbert and the Chargers 45 to nothing. That said, this is an entirely, entirely, entirely different Chargers team with Brandon Staley running the ship as opposed to Anthony Lynn, who's more of an offensive coordinator than he is a head coach. And, um, with Brandon Staley in charge, Chargers coming off a bye, I think that should be more than enough to get the Chargers over the hump and defeat the Patriots. Granted, I think this game is going to be a very, very, very competitive and close game, and I expect the Patriots to cover the spread, but in the end, I think Justin Herbert is going to be too much. He's going to want to uh, get that taste out of his mouth from facing Belichick last year and have a great game against Bill Belichick like Joe Burrow had against the Ravens last week. Joe Burrow was so motivated to put his struggles against the Ravens behind him. Same with Justin Herbert this week against the Patriots. I like the Chargers 30 to 27. Yeah, David, I, I agree with you. I, I don't think this is the week for the Patriots. Um, last year was last year and I don't see Stefan Gilmore out there as well. Um, Patriots secondary banged up Jonathan Jones, their underrated nickel cornerback went on injured reserve as well. The, you know, Mac Jones has steadily improved week after week, but I don't think it's going to be enough this week. I've got it. The chargers 24 Patriots 20. Trevor Lawrence and the Jaguars traveling to Seattle to take out Geno Smith and the Seahawks. And Oh my God, have the Seahawks. And their pathetic roster been exposed without Russell Wilson. Oh, definitely. I mean, they just took, a, I mean, let's face it. The, the game plan against Geno Smith was take away Tyler Lockett. And once that was done, Seattle had nothing. Yes. And it's hard to find an upset special uh, this week, at least for me. But I think I'm going to go with this as my upset special since most of the betting lines have the Seahawks predicted to win. Uh, yeah, Urban Meyer might be one and done in the NFL, but Trevor Lawrence is just so, so, so special. And he's going up against an atrocious, and I mean atrocious, Seattle Seahawks defense. Oh, my goodness. Trevor Lawrence, he's been getting better and better and better each and every week. And the game is really starting to slow down for Trevor Lawrence. Watch out. It's going to be gangbuster soon with Trevor Lawrence. He is that special. I think he leads the Jaguars to a hard-fought 28-24 to 24 win in Seattle. This is my upset special of the week. David, I think you sold me on it. I, I had this game as a coin flip, and I said, well, you know, when in doubt in Seattle, you know, you got to just say, give them the 12th man. But you know what? I think you sold me, David. I'm going to flip that score. Jacksonville 25, Seattle 24. I'm on board with you this week. 
The Washington football team travels to Denver to take on the Denver Broncos and the Washington football team. They played hard last week for Ron Rivera. They just went out and gave the Packers all they could handle. They just blew so many opportunities. This is their get right game. The, the defense, especially that front four, should have no problem harassing Teddy Bridgewater all game long. And that running game against that uh, atrocious Broncos run defense, one of the biggest disappointments in this league uh, so far this season. Antonio Gibson has a great game on the ground. Taylor Heineke will not have to do much. Uh, Washington, easy win, 21 to 10 over the Broncos. And Broncos, I honestly hope you lose out. I want the highest draft pick possible. <laughs> well, David, I'm going to say Washington is, it's not a get right game. It's a letdown game. They left it all out on the field and they came up short and Denver getting healthier. One of my favorites, favorite players, you know, big breakout this year. And then he gets injured. Jerry Judy, he's going to be back on Sunday and he's going to hit the ground running. I think Denver is going to take care of business. I've got them 24 to 20 over Washington. Tom Brady and the Bucks traveling to New Orleans to take on the Saints, who currently stand at four and two, albeit after an ugly showing against the Seahawks. They had to grind out a win against that Seahawks team, as atrocious as they are without Russell Wilson, 13 to 10. This is a big mismatch. The Bucs get Gronk back. They get Levante David back. They get Richard Sherman back. The Saints, they probably lost Andrews Pete for the season. A big blow to that offensive line, although the Saints uh, got mostly healthier with uh, Cesar Ruiz uh, and Eric McCoy coming back and uh, Marcus Davenport coming back. But that said, it's still a big mismatch. Uh, it's still night and day. The AFC South is still the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and a bunch of other teams at the Bucs show it this Sunday. Uh, 31-20 Bucks. Yeah, I mean, New Orleans this year has been play well, play terrible, play well, play terrible, play well, bye week, play terrible. So should we be expecting them to play well? Mm, uh, I don't see it against Tampa Bay. I mean, remember, Tampa Bay didn't win the division last year. New Orleans did. And there's a lot of players in Tampa Bay who remember that and had this week eight game circled on their calendars when this uh, schedule was released. So I think Tampa Bay going to be going full cylinder, all four quarters, um, blowout win, 38 to 13 over the Saints. And on Monday night football, the New York Giants off their impressive win over the Panthers travel to Kansas City to take on the Chiefs team that is in a must win situation oh my god as bad as the Chiefs defense has been this season Patrick Mahomes and the offensive struggles cannot be ignored either no definitely cannot that game last week was eye-opening and whether you turn around and say well that's a product of an improving Tennessee defense and just a bad week for Kansas City or is this a sign of something else altogether and I think this week is going to be very interesting to see how Kansas City responds to I mean let's face it they got punched in the mouth they most certainly did and uh, find out more about the Chiefs offensive issues and how they solve that in our challenge flags but I think the Chiefs do what they have to do to get right and win against uh, this Giants team it might start off a little sluggish in the first 
quarter or two. But Patrick Mahomes uh, lights it on fire in the second half. He leads the Chiefs to a 35-24 to win over the Giants. Yeah, I'm still worried about the Chiefs' offensive weapons, not named Kelsey or Hill. But as long as those two are healthy, uh, I expect a big bounce back this week. I've got Kansas City taking it uh, fairly easily, 31-19 to over the Giants. And now it's time for our bold predictions for week eight. You go first, Tal. You got something on the Lions. I've got the Lions. We're both picking that upset special. Um, I see this great game, 2020, going into overtime. And remember that special teams of Palooza from the Lions last week? Why, it had everything except a blocked punt, maybe? Blocked punt, returns for a touchdown, scoop and score in overtime. Lions get win number one against the Eagles in dramatic fashion. That's my bold prediction. Aaron Rodgers, in his last dance with Green Bay, issues a beautiful waltz tonight for at least 350 passing yards and four touchdowns, 150 of those yards, and three of those touchdowns courtesy of the man he brought back to town in his acting role as GM, Randall Cobb. That is my bold prediction for week eight. And now let's issue our challenge flags. I will go first. Patrick Mahomes, do not go for the home run all the time. I understand you're playing with a bad defense that could barely get a stop to save its life, but you're playing in a way that implies that you don't trust that defense. And I understand it's hard to trust your defense, but You cannot lose any amount of trust in your teammates or else you guys are going to be in jeopardy of missing the playoffs. Don't go for the home run all the time. Take some of those easy underneath completions to gain five or six or seven yards to set up more manageable manageable third downs. You can do it, Patrick Mahomes. I believe in you. You're still a top five quarterback. You're just going through a rough patch. Just don't go for the home run all the time and you'll be fine. Amen, David. I mean, the talent is still there in Kansas City. I couldn't agree more on that as well. Um, my challenge flag, uh, where, where do I throw it this week? Uh, hey, you know, I'm going to throw it at a couple of different teams. We had some picks here of games that we thought are going to be blowouts. And we know every week in the NFL, something crazy happens. So Cincinnati, Rams, um, Tampa Bay, you know, just cause Buffalo, just cause it says blowout on paper, doesn't mean you'd roll your helmets out there. We see it every week, every year in the NFL, somebody takes their foot off the gas for a game, reading their headlines and thinking this game's in the bag. We don't even have to show up. I'll you take care of business on Sunday blast through that win and stay healthy and let's keep this fantastic season rolling along here he is hal bet ladies and gentlemen of bostonsportpage.com and full press coverage you can follow him on twitter at hal bent zero one hal thank you so much once again for joining us and that's it for today here on sports crunch but hal and i will be back same time next week to recap week eight preview week nine and discuss all the latest news and notes from around the national football league. So stay tuned. 
Meanwhile, you can follow me on Twitter at dcrom 59 and on Instagram at SportsCrunch with dcrom. And remember, that is Crunch with a K. Also, don't forget to check out the new and improved www.sportscrunch.com. For Hell Bet, this is David Cromwell saying so long, stay awesome, and have a safe and happy Halloween. Cats and kittens, take care and stay cool. Mm-hmm.